Hello, everyone at home. Hello. I can say the real number this time. This is Reality Issues episode 24. Um, take two. Take two. Kathy is here. Hello, everyone. Uh, we uh, spent the last 10-ish minutes or so probably um, uh, talking to our, each other and not you. But here you are now, and you can join us in situ. Uh, we are talking about... Uh, our, our recent uh, travails through the world of the internet and um, I'm just going to start uh, where we are and um, you can listen also shout out to our mystery listener yeah exactly thank you to the mystery listener who made this episode possible I'm already feeling better about how we started this episode thank you to the mystery listener who made this episode possible the people listening only the mystery listener will know perhaps and maybe a couple other people will know what we're about to do but thank you to mystery listener out there for allowing this episode to become possible. Um, we'll figure out who you are eventually or not. Up to you. Queen Elizabeth, who we're honoring her. Uh, Harry Styles, performing last night at Madison Square Garden, obviously had to take some time out to honor the Queen, um, and here's how he chose to do it. From my homeland, there's some very sad news today, the passing of Queen Elizabeth II. Please join me in a round of applause for 70 years of service. Uh, you know, that, that's to be expected. Uh, you know, as I'm thinking about it, going way back to the British invasion, so many musicians that are very prominent and successful musicians uh, who are British knighted by and who have by been the knighted. queen. Yeah, one of them, uh, uh, Sir Elton John. He was performing in Toronto last night, and this is what he had to say about the queen's past. <laughs> She was an inspiring presence to be around. I've been around her, and she's fantastic. I'm going to repeat this for you because even the clip doesn't really have audible. And she led the country, led the country with grace and decency, genuine caring warmth. Elton John is reminding us that he's 75, and that made me a little sad. She deserves to be dead. She worked really hard for it. That's basically what you just said. My love, her family, and her loved ones, and lives on. I actually find this a little bit of uh, faint praise, almost as if he's saying it out of obligation, not because he actually feels it. Because he never says anything direct. He says, like, the framework of what you're supposed to say about someone, but not, like, anything personal. Uh, I don't know. We'll find out. Who knows? You know, it's really interesting when you think about it. Like you said, the musicians, I mean, you look at, you know, Paul McCartney and Mick Jagger and, you know, it, 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 it's, you don't immediately think, wow, they have a connection to music, but they really do. Yeah. I mean, they really connected to the whole Liverpool thing. I think they also realized that they it's want a way to of getting popular. to the people, right? Right. If you want to get to the people, yeah, you really like, interesting. like, yeah, yeah. I, I love getting to the people. Brian, Florida oh. here. The main thing I have here is that um, a lot of celebrities want to automatically honor uh, the dead in this I'm talking. which... I'm talking here, but also... I mean, they had personal connections to them. That's completely fair. But uh, a lot of the confusion that's happening online around this is people don't understand what the vitriol is for. And really, it's because the British Empire... It, she represents the British Empire in many people's eyes. And that, of course, represents a lot of... 
negative aspects uh, and a lot of uh, exploitation and enslavement throughout the world for hundreds of years. Now, maybe today that isn't a direct uh, something you can put right at her doorstep, but her lack of speaking out against those issues certainly is the source of that vitriol. And it's very surprising to me that people have been able to overlook all those pages in the history book and just automatically kind of worship this person. No, who is, I, I think you really made it is you, very you, you, you stated it really well, mm. and there Thank is controversy. Um, we're we're going to get into a little bit really later. Well. Thank you. Okay, but now Thank we're you. taking a break. All right. So let me let me talk to you really quickly about a little bit about this. Hello, audience. Yes, uh, I and and Kathy as well. We'll get to Kathy here. Um, someone sent me a message on Twitter, and they said, "Hey." Like, with zero explanation or premise, they're just like, hello, would you like to be on TMZ Live? Yes, no. And I was, I was like, uh, I didn't even know what to say. I was shocked. I, I kind of thought it was a prank at first. <laughs> um, but then I talked to Kathy about it, and we kind of put two and two together, and we kind of figured it out. And, um, and then we decided to communicate with them and then end up on the show and we got to talk about some of our favorite issues my the very first issue i ever covered on my own solo podcast was the queen <laughs> i mean i feel again i feel like it is really kim kardashian that brought us and, together and that is true my love i mean i it's a di uh, it, it's a uh, it's daniel lindeman also yeah. right but it but it was because really we were talking about kim as yeah. well i believe you know absolutely our our, our my my and I'm about to start getting back into it. We just finished the OJ documentary, and that was kind of our reboot to get, like, Uncle OJ, her being the goddaughter of OJ and everything, got me back into the mindset of... And seeing a lot of Rob Kardashian in that documentary, by the way, really got me back into, like, okay, I need to reinvest. We've done 10 seasons, plus the plus all the spinoffs up to that point, so it's probably about 15 seasons. That's a lot of episodes, considering most of them are between 15 and 20 episodes apiece. And after a certain point, they're an hour. In the days since, I've also become obsessed, not just in, you know, kind of tying it all back in this very general way to what we talk about here, which is, yeah, we talk about reality, but we also talk a lot about how celebrity culture kind of, like, colors that reality, yes. impacts that reality, you know, whatever kind of verb, noun thing you want to put in there. Yeah. Um, and you know here we are with you know talking about the queen of england who in america like right should be like uh right this is like hitler let's be honest right they were a war opponent right so yes. like it's like you know uh and still basically the like not like like you know we can say like they're like literally the same party of people we were fighting in the revolutionary war right yeah. it's not like angela merkel is our enemy at the moment right it's a whole new government whole new leading party right so no analogy there but this is literally the same people we fought in the revolution <laughs> like in the like, joke in the in the war that we see as like old timey and impossible to like yeah like Right, muskets, red coats, like <laughs> tree of liberty watered with blood every seven years. And, all of that shit we learn. Right? Yeah, and and her blood effectively would lead back to like that leadership, would it not? And that's literally King George. Yes. Yeah. Like, this is <laughs> King George the <III laughs> Third to uh, to King like, Charles. I thought we weren't supposed to let the British push us around. You know, like yeah. what the fuck? You know, so. Um, <sighs> Well, uh, know, some people. Whatever I feel about America, you know, I, I certainly have some uh, 
critiques of where we are, you know. <laughs> I, I... The, the British, I mean, come on, shouldn't we, like, kind of have a consensus there? I think the only good things are what, like, football and Oasis, you know? I don't think that there's anything that we could actually have. I mean, I'm thinking about now, like, would we even have... Yeah, we would have celebrity culture without royals. I'm sure it would just manifest on its own. Um... Huh. Well, again, just really, really kind of making this connection to Princess Diana as commoner, um, as not actually a commoner, right? Yeah. Like, the story that she was a fucking kindergarten teacher or whatever the fuck she was, right? Like, she's also, like, land, like just wealthy noble, right? She's just yeah. not exactly in on the right, you know, so she can get, get to, gets to be... She gets to be called a commoner the way that chicken pulps common people gets to be called a commoner, right? Well, I I think about um, uh, just even the way that, like, her celebrity moment was treated, like, at the very end, um, which would be something I need to catch up on, I suppose. Um, But I think about the way that it captured the media in almost the same way that OJ captured the media, which is to say the global media all the time at all times. There was a, uh, in part five of the OJ Made in America documentary, which I just wrapped up last night, there was a point where um, I think it was Hugh Downs of ABC News. He was like, I don't know, covering something for 2020 or whatever. And the State of the Union address came on and they had to like break away. Um, And they... He said, he was like, I, as a newsman and a programmer or whatever, like, don't believe that it's worth carrying the State of the Union over the OJ uh, civil trial verdict. That they was going to come in at, like, the same time. And he thought, he was, like, half joking. But it seemed like he was erring on the side of, like, we should actually just watch this because the, the State of the Union, we can watch it tomorrow. Like, <laughs> and I just think, I, of course, that's the answer. But, like, I just... Seeing a straight newsman say, like, I just want to know about the rest of the OJ case. It's like, uh, it sells everything that was happening mm-hmm. at the time com- to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it is what's happening now because I mean, nothing's really changed. If anything, the, uh, the OJ documentary, to me, demonstrated that, you know, we, we perceive that reality television has changed a lot of the landscape. But really, it's only changed the way that we kind of look at it. And I think that celebrity culture, if anything, has just... Um, I mean, there's a little bit more recourse now than there used to be for, like, people who abuse their positions of power. Now, clearly, most people are getting away with it. But um, I don't know. Celebrity culture, I think you can get away with even more now in a lot of ways. Well, I think there's also this, like, watering down of, uh, I'll say, the quality of what we watch, right? So, like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, in, a, in a thousand ways. So um, there was, a, to get all meta here for a moment, I was mm-hmm. thinking about um, this thing that happened recently. And uh, for those who may not know, Kris Jenner, the mother of Kim Kardashian, recently went on television to do a lie detector test where she answered a bunch of spicy questions. Is that right? Um, And she went on the show of one James Corden. Do you Mm -hmm. know this guy? I have heard of this. Was he in Cats? Did he play one of the cats without buttholes and cats? Yeah, I think so. Yes, I think so. So I didn't really recognize him, right? So this was one. So... For reasons that will soon become clear, I, I wanted to learn more about who this James Corden fellow was. And so uh, I, I Googled him and I was like, and so it turns out that he took over the show, the Late Late Show after um, Craig Kilborn, 
And yes. after Craig Kilborn, or before Craig Kilborn, it was one Greg Kinnear. And before Greg Kinnear, it was one Tom Snyder, who basically apprenticed under Letterman. I didn't. And so I didn't know any of these things. I didn't know like, any of It was that. like this little history of late night TV. I didn't know Greg Kinnear did a late night show. That's crazy. Yes. So I didn't. So I seem to recall Kinnear doing this. I, I must have been like young. It must have been like right after early Conan. I remember being early two thousands, maybe. Who was the guy before? He was. Who was the guy before Craig Kilborn? Uh, that was Kinnear. Okay. Well, then I definitely remember Craig Kilborn 100% because he was the guy that used to do the original Daily Show, right? Uh-huh. Okay. Uh-huh. All right. And watch. He me, was actually... Let me, let me not misspeak. I want to definitely... He had a very original sense of humor, um, I remember at the time. Like, very kind of... Um, like kind of like I would say almost an ironic sense of view about the news that we have now like that's kind of present where you're kind of like you can only laugh at the things that are so like beyond criticizing or like what's the point of even discussing it other than laughing okay yeah so it was Tom Snyder Craig Kilborn oh no okay. I'm sorry I'm getting that wrong yeah Craig Ferguson Craig Ferguson <laughs> any fucking name. that's his name and then it was James Corden. See, this is why I needed to go back and double check because I don't remember all these stupid names. Anyway, Craig Ferguson being, had a. Yes. I just want to say, Craig Ferguson had a skeleton for a co-host, a robotic skeleton, um, and it was designed by Grant Imahara of the MythBusters uh, fame. Uh, before Who was before Greg he passed, Kinnear? was he in Dharma and Greg? Was that that guy? He's a. He isn't he British? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Listen, here's the thing. There's a lot of names in our heads rattling around. Oh, and he was they in mean Talk Soup. He was Talk Soup. He was Talk Soup, not Greg Daily Kinnear Show. He was Talk Soup. Okay. okay, okay. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. See, too many names. This but, is this is why you have the internet and Wikipedia. Who was... One day I will give them money. Did they do Talk... Did they bring Talk Soup back after uh, Joel McHale? Or was that it? Uh... Well, maybe it's us. Maybe we're the next people to host Talk maybe Soup. We're it. Oh, uh, yeah, no, I don't know. Because once, once it went to, then it became The Soup. Mm. Right, so it went from Talk Soup to The Soup. Yeah. And I, I have a bunch of episodes of that on, um, on the iTunes store that I purchased back in like 2007 or whatever. They're very funny. No, I think that's it. 2020 episodes it says very difficult to track down oh really they must have tried to bring it back with somehow. i don't know it says the it says the soup okay i'm just reading off wikipedia citation needed it says the soup's 2020 return hosted by brazilian born comedian and actress jade catapreta mm-hmm. was billed as its 13th season 19 episodes aired through october 2020 when they abruptly stopped oh she later confirmed on the pod on a podcast called Tiger Belly that the show had been canceled and would not be returning. Wow. I wonder how the E network felt uh, or continues to feel about uh, having a show that criticizes its own shows. I wonder if they thought that that maybe wasn't a great idea. Hey, uh, E network. E network. It, it if you if you've given up on the soup that's fine. 
that's totally fine. fine that sucks you know but uh i i think i think uh we, we we're looking for a home that isn't scared to take risks exactly so if all you're gonna do is cancel us that, that would suck because i don't you know i don't want to get canceled in eight billion different ways do i mean that statement <laughs> yes all the ways in fact when we when we stand in front of when we show footage that you didn't well never mind <laughs> no one got to see it it's just audio let me play you this clip um, Kathy, of uh, something you may have heard before. Welcome back to TMZ Live, and Chris Jenner found herself on... It's on topic, because we're talking about Chris Jenner. ...seats. Now, I think we should say up front, she knew she was going to be on the hot she seat. Knew. She knew. going in... She knew this whole ...to this thing. appearance on Late Late Show with James Corden that they were going to do this bit. So she they hooked her up. Hooked her up to a lie detector test, and then asked her a bunch of questions. Most of them... Just fun, but... James Corden, if you've ever seen any of the carpool karaoke videos, he is the guy from those. That's probably his most notable career move. One question that everybody... I'm glad they asked it because it's something people talk about all the time. What was her involvement in Kim's sex tape? Did she strike the deal for Kim? A lot of people think that she actually helped Kim pull off that deal and obviously made them a lot because of money. Because she's a master business person. Right. Um... She's denied that, said that she didn't have anything to do with it. There are reasons, which we'll get into, why that wasn't very believable. But here's what happened when she was asked on a lie detector. Are you ready for this next question? I don't I'm know. I'm going to show it to Cardi just no, to see No, listen carefully. <laughs> listen very carefully. Oh, my God. Okay. Oh, dear. Here we go. Okay. Did you help Kim release her sex tape? <laughs> The first problem I have is uh, the smile and laughter that James Corden employs when saying that question, which you couldn't see. But just imagine it. It's the Pretty face gross. that he makes whenever he says anything. Yep. I think it's yeah. gross. Ooh. Of course it's true. Thank you. Of course it's true. All right. Charlie, oh, here like we go. That. We cleared that up. Did you? Did we? Did you? Did we clear it up? <laughs> I don't know, guys, because if, if you remember a couple months ago, we broke a story because Ray J was making accusations that both Kim and Chris peddled the sex tape. But what we were told was that was Kim, Ray J, and their attorneys. Now, that doesn't mean maybe Kim had some conversations about it with Chris behind closed doors. But as far as signing the deal and distributing the tape with Vivid, what we were told is exactly what Chris just said. Yeah, and I think he hit it. And look, we have sources back in the day when we did these, these stories with Vivid Entertainment that they said they would never release a tape without getting the principals uh, to sign because if they do, they open up a lawsuit for profits, for invasion of privacy, for emotional distress, and they're not going to do that. So the probability of Kim having some involvement, although she did sue, um, but but she settled. But she settled. Right. Um, you know, the probability is that probably Chris was not at the table. Right. But they didn't ask hmm. the following questions. They should have said, did you have discussions with Kim about it? Let's right. get an answer there. Do you know <laughs> if Kim signed hey, on the There's only line. so much she was <laughs> going to agree to, all right? Because let's be honest, this was all talked about. They didn't spring that on her, I'm sure. They talked yeah. about it before. Of course. Yeah, um, so she knew it was coming, but... You've got to remember, too, though, back then, Chris Jenner wasn't the Chris Jenner she is now, too. So, of Here course, now it's impossible to think yeah, exactly. be at that negotiating table. But back then, things were still Hey, Kathy, fresh. what do you have to You're say right. about this? Do you have but anything in specific you'd like to say? <laughs> <with her laughs> and I asked her about it. She was telling me, 
long before even <laughs> let me think about it real quick. okay i'll let you think about it for about 10 to 15 she seconds. was really soaking up the business side of listening to robert kardashian and others so I, there was a germ at the very least there so, but you're right i mean it, she was a different person then than now okay i think i got it i wish james Corden <laughs> would have asked a couple of follow-ups Kathy, Santa Fe, New Mexico. I don't think that Kim, uh, that Chris had anything to do with leaking it. I do think she might have been savvy enough to help her daughter try to do some damage control. It's so funny you say damage it's true. control. Because it's true, Kathy. Level, Kathy from Santa Fe was right. They say that that was very upsetting to them and all, mm -hmm. and I get it. But, but at the same really time, launched it launched her. The family. It totally launched, launched the family. The it just family. did. Uh, we're gonna move on. Yeah. So what I think, Kathy, so I'd is... like to do a follow up. Please. I'd like to do a follow up. Please. So I do think that I, I, I think it's I, I think Harvey was wrong to nitpick on the damage control. I think uh, I think there were eight billion different ways it could have gotten spun out of control. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think that like it could have necessarily have have gone as well as it could have. Yes. Uh, you know, and so like I think like. Regardless of when, who exactly was responsible for leaking it. Right. I mean, it was Ray J's camera, right? Correct. So, did he give her a copy? I don't seem to hear that being addressed at any point in time, which is exactly, like, I mean, there's all these questions about it, but I'm like, well, everyone knows it was Ray J's camera, right? It was his, like, I think that even discusses it. It was his camera, so he had control of the item. So regardless of who leaked it, it's someone close to him. But I don't hear that question being addressed. So anyway. Yeah, I'm looking at the most recent story here on TMZ about the topic. And it says that, uh, you know, they made there's the sales numbers and how much they like grossed in the okay. first, you know, whatever. But then The Vivid guy says that Kim never wanted it out. Yeah. So I kind of think, like, I think the most plausible thing is that um, I don't think Ray J le leaked it either, mm -hmm. at least maybe not deliberately. I think what probably happened was he was careless with it. Yeah. Sort um, of like the Pam and Tommy footage. thing. Someone, a third party, just got access to it because someone mm -hmm. was snooping because they're celebrities. Mm -hmm. Right. Or, you know, I, I like in that case, like, Tommy wasn't careless with it. He had it in his safe. That's right. It was like a contractor. Yeah, who broke into the safe. Um, so the safe was in like some like hidden away spot in the house and mm. rarely accessed. And so he broke into it and they and they didn't discover that shit was missing in the safe for like four months later. Um, and mm. it wasn't just the tape. It was like cash, jewels, oh. guns. Damn. Like I like maybe like music recordings were in there too, like demos or something. Like there was like a variety of lots of like neat items cool. stolen from the safe. Right? I'm gonna have to and watch so that. That tape was just oh you you need to. Yeah. Um, with the Seth Rogen, oh it was so good. What but, was the um, other thing um, you were just telling me to watch as well? Um, ooh, what was I watching? It was last. Oh, it was episode. Star Eighty. Yes. I, oh, that's because. It. Because I became obsessed with trying to connect uh, these concepts of celebrity culture. And so I started watching some films. I watched Star 80, which was uh, actually also relates to a documentary I saw recently, the Chippendales murder thing I think I mentioned to you. Huh. I don't... So there was this, like, 2020... Okay. I, I watch a lot of true crime. I like this. 
This is where this is me too. I just okay. we just don't talk about it too much. I only talk about half the true crime that I see because I forget yeah. a lot of it. But there's so much of it, right? <laughs> and so like, I don't even want to mention the SVU as propaganda article that came out recently. Oh. And like, that, that, that's I'll like watch it all day and, and have no no guilt. Same, same. <laughs> Um, I also don't delude myself into have ever thought that the police operated the way they do on TV. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, I've never had that illusion. And I feel like that was like the thesis of that article of that thing going around, which was like SVU tricked me into thinking the cops were a certain way. And I was like, oh, that's because you don't Understood. have any life experience with cops. Because if you have, then you'd know that that was fantasy the entire time and yeah. that's why people like me probably watch it because yeah. i can imagine yeah olivia benson existing exactly right one out and of then a, i can yeah. go down you know to any any domestic violence reporting mechanism in the state not just this state any state yeah. and have a completely wildly different experience and hence why people don't report so uh totally different conversation on that one but there was a 2020 mm -hmm. or some shit like that called the chippendales murder and it was following um so basically the founder of chippendales was uh some guy and he had gotten as a ooh, it just got windy here um oh uh jillian just won a Fortnite match i was just that's oh, what i was congrats. distracted by simultaneously oh <gasps> Wow, what timing. There was this huge gust of wind that just blew in and it, like, opened the door. It was like a fortnight ice. There we go. It, what's the temp like there? What is, what is, what is, the, what is the weather like? Uh, it is 79 outside wow. right now. That is where my, uh, that, is, that is where my, that, that is a thermometer in the shade, by the way. Oh, well, it's like 95, 96 with the, with the humidity. It's pretty bad here right now, mm. but... Uh... Like even the air conditioning can't keep up. Twenty nine percent humidity outside. Oh, we're at a good, well above that. I know, because <laughs> the house can barely maintain fifty. Um. That's awful. That's terrible. I'm so sorry. No, it's a very dry heat. I'm okay. A lot of sweat. That's basically the the rundown. Um, so anyway. we're talking about the Kardashians. Um, no, there was something else. Mm. Oh, okay. So the Chippendales murder. Yes. Yeah. The was uh, so that was like a, he was a club club owner nightclub guy and he had gone into business with a bunch of other people but he eventually is like the head honcho and Chippendales guy murder guy but a whole different story. One of the original club owners he started it with oh. um, was this guy named Paul something who is the one of the characters in Star Eighty and he winds up dating a Playboy model whom he murders. And oh. it is basically her story. And she is played by Mariel Hemingway in this film. Oh, really? Directed by uh, Bob Fosse. And so Mariel Hemingway, <laughs> who, of course, goes on to a very um, unfortunate end herself. Yeah. Um, and also, speaking of, like, kind of celebrity uh, stature kind of being passed down, you know, a Hemingway. Yeah. <laughs> um so lots of lots of really weird shit in the movie going on you know and um so i watched that one i watched sunset boulevard and i watched what else did i just watch okay. some other thing like that that just fucking fucked with my head and um so we've been watching some really good true crime lately um we've been watching uh we watched i just killed my dad uh, a few couple 
well, a few weeks ago, but it feels like I just watched it. Extremely good. It's on Netflix. It's like a three-parter, I think. Um, it's basically about a, a kid who, well, let's say he's like 17, I think. And he's like being held captive sort of in like domestic, well, I don't want to like spoil it necessarily, but he's like, it, it, it appears at bad at the beginning. And then you, about halfway through, you're like, oh, this is like way worse than I even thought. <laughs> like, um, and it's all very uh, gray area, which is what I found very interesting about it. It's, it involved a, a, like a, a murder or, or is it uh, excusable? And it's all based on perspective and, um, Highly, highly encourage people to check that out because it's about the whole thing is about gray areas and laws, basically. Mm. Um, uh, and there's so I mean, there's always yeah. gray areas, mm -hmm. right? I mean, it, because it's all in how it's phrased and how it's framed, right? I mean, that's even the why people can keep talking about the whole Chris Kardashian thing, right? She was she was very because I agree that they like rehearsed all that shit, you know. Yeah, and so she was very careful to only answer the question: Did you have anything to do with releasing it? Exactly, releasing it specifically. And I also think that um, it's worth noting that there's nothing. The thing that nobody has said yet is that there's nothing guaranteeing that the polygraph situation was even legitimate to begin with. I mean, right. so yes. you know, that's that's on its own i mean and and talk about propaganda mm -hmm. look at us like buying into trusting the that a polygraph that is real the, yeah like in the first place right? even though like that when, we know we know we know it's been demonstrated scientifically that's bullshit so and it's easy easy to fool as well if you really want to this shit's crazy. Mm -hmm. I don't. I don't. I don't like these rabbit holes that we fall into sometimes because it just feels a little too like stark. You know, it feels a little like too much like mainlining of reality. Like yeah, yeah. How about this? How about this? How's baseball been? That's actually something that I'd love to talk about. So let me close this laptop. <laughs> I'll read you a little bit about baseball. Uh, this is a pretty big changes coming to baseball in the next season. Um, they're banning the shift, which is where you move the shortstop from one side to the other based on the handedness or the expected like field that they're going to hit the ball into. So they're getting rid of that. Kind of significant. And they're also adding a pitch clock, which means that you only have 15 seconds to um, throw the pitch once the batter is in their ready stance and they're like acknowledging you. Unless there's a person on base in which you have 20 seconds. But this is hugely different than the sometimes 30 or 40 seconds that someone will take in between pitches to like calm their nerves. No, and I don't everything. like that. I don't like that at all. So almost across the board, everyone from broadcasters to fans are like against the whole the, the pitch clock, or at least it being that low. And they said that they might like adjust it before the next season actually starts the rules. Um, but they also made the bases two inches larger. They're um, from six oh, inches to eight one. inches, which is a pretty significant change in something that's literally never been changed before, the, the base sizes. And, um, I don't like that either. A lot of people um, are just kind of like going like, well, they're going to change the base. I guess it's because they want, uh, I don't know, less people missing second base if they're like going around or something. I, don't, I can't imagine what it would be exactly. But if people have been doing it for 200 years with the same size of base six inches yeah, no. can, yeah imagine like has the basketball hoop changed um no 
the the height ha the height has gone up. They've made it harder, but other than that, I don't think the the hoop size has changed. Um, uh, let's see. Oh, I also, feel like that's, I feel like that's equivalent to home run records. Or yes, something. the home run record. Uh, speaking of the home run record, uh, um, who is that? Uh, on the Kansas City Royals, they're going for. They have a player who just oh Albert Pujols, not not of the Royals, but he he just uh, hit like the fourth all time home run record, six hundred ninety six. He's going for at least seven hundred. This is his final season. Pretty cool, very cool. Yeah, he he got a lot of those while he was at the Dodgers, if I recall correctly. That's absolutely correct. Yeah. Yes. No, I, I think yeah. No, I remember things sometimes. <laughs> uh, so he's going for. Um, uh, 700 is his goal because the next number is Babe Ruth and it's too far f with the amount of games remaining for it to be like statistically possible um, let's see one more thing is oh you're only allowed to step off of uh, the the when there's someone on any for any pickoff you're only allowed to to uh, do two uh, pickoff attempts between um, swings of the bat which is very interesting to me. That means that basically, in my mind, someone will attempt to get you to throw twice and then run on the third chance that they take. They'll just do that every single time that they want to steal. They'll make sure you can't pick them off. They'll try to get the fake twice and then go for it, which is what has, in this article, they're writing about is this, the biggest change, probably the thing they'll be abused the most next season, is the, um, the false pickoffs. They'll try to get people to pick them off and then go for the third huh. one and get a, gain, basically get a free stolen base if they're able to successfully fake a pitcher twice. Huh. Um, so that could be a huge thing, a huge change in the game. So that's a little dose of reality. Um, other than that, I've been watching a lot of uh, baseball. And uh, I'm watching the Braves do this, well. This wind has not let up. I thought it was going to be a couple of gusts. Let me just take a look outside and make sure that like my, like nothing is... Like none of my plants are in danger. Yes, please. Baby. I'll uh, I'll yeah. just I'm right here. I'm not going anywhere. Tell me more about baseball. Let's see what else about baseball. We have uh, a big thing in baseball right now is a lot of rookie players coming in. Um, people with uh, only one year, less than a year in, and uh, really blowing the doors off of like every other player on their team. Um, that's happening kind of across the sport. Um, there's a player. I think his last name is. Uh, I can't remember. He's on the uh, he's a rookie on the Mariners who's like hitting a home run practically every other game. Um, our our guy in um, of uh, Atlanta, Michael Harris, he's only been doing. Um, he didn't even start the year. He was like he came in halfway through the season and they're calling him Rookie of the Year, which is pretty amazing that you weren't even in the whole season and you're, you got that status. And even the Braves have a pitcher who's going for Rookie of the Year. He's um, unbelievable. He's better than probably every other pitcher on the team except for maybe Charlie Morton. And um, he's coming in with uh, like a 10 years of pitching experience somehow, like level with, you know, not even a season under his belt. It's incredible. He's a unique player. So that's what I have to say about baseball. Thank you so much. And also my, my umbrella was okay, <laughs> but it was in danger. Let me tell you a little something about, uh, I'm glad that your umbrella is okay, Kathy. That really m m means a lot to me. 
because I, I know how those winds in Santa Fe can really get out of control in like two seconds and knock all your furniture, especially if you have that umbrella that's like planted in the middle of the table. Forget it. The whole thing, all the chairs are all going to flip over at once. <laughs> hate that. So here's a little something that mm-hmm. I think uh, kind of fits into our, our program here. I saw this in the, uh, what is this, the Saturday, September 10th uh, Times Forgery, Mistresses, and Manuscripts. This is about an autograph. Uh, and uh, Art Faker and his historical um, punishment and stuff. And, and how we brought up, because we recently found a new fake that was in the archives of a university as like their prized artifact. By Gal- wow. they thought I mean, it was- Yeah, I, I literally made the surprised Pikachu face. Yeah, <laughs> let's look at this. The unmasking of a fake Galileo work has brought renewed attention to Tobia Nicotra. That's his name, Tobia Nicotra. Okay. Forgery, Mistresses, and Manuscripts by Michael Blanding. When the University of Michigan Library announced last month that one of its most prized possessions, a manuscript said to have been written by Galileo around 1610, was in fact a 20th century fake, it brought renewed attention to the checkered, colorful career of the man named as the likely culprit, Tobia Nicotra, a notorious forger from Milan. Nicotra hoodwinked the U.S. Library of Congress into buying a fake Mozart manuscript in 1928. He wrote an early biography of the conductor Arturo Toscanini that became better known for its fictions than its facts. He traveled under the name of another famous conductor who had recently died, and in 1934 he was convicted of forgery in Milan after the police were tipped off by Toscanini's son, Walter, who had bought a fake Mozart from him. This man literally ripped off everyone he ever met in his life. Wow. Successfully. Mad respect. Exactly. His explanation of what had motivated his many forgeries, which were said to number in the hundreds, and you're not going to even believe this. This is even better. This is even better than what he was doing. Was somewhat unusual, at least according to an account of his trial that appeared in the American Weekly, a Hearst publication in early 1935. I did it. The article quoted him as saying, to support my seven loves. When the police raided Nicotra's apartment in Milan, several news outlets reported they found a virtual forgery factory strewn with counterfeit documents that appeared to bear the signatures of Columbus, Mozart, Leonardo da Vinci, George Washington, and how about the Marquis de Lafayette, Martin Luther, and Warren G. Harding, among other famous figures. He's just a man, and he somehow had access to all this in, before the internet. Investigators had also found a sort of shrine. And a to... library card, which is like <laughs> maybe go. the more powerful thing, even to this day. I love it. Investigators had also found a sort of shrine to his seven mistresses, at least according to the American Weekly. The article described a room with, with black velvet-covered walls with seven panels. I'm going to continue. Yes, you're, I know you're. I know. <laughs> featuring paintings, sketches, and photographs of the women, one of whom was said to be a, quote, novelty dancer, and another a, quote, expert swimmer, with fresh flowers in front of each. Quote, the pictures in some cases displayed their physical attractions with startling frankness. You know what that means for the 1930s, but they were, in general, highly artistic, the article noted. Incidentally, the publication added, he had a wife. Over the years, Nicotra's counterfeits have fooled collectors and institutions, sown confusion, and been denounced by the esteemed Austrian writer, Stefan Zweig, who collected musical manuscripts and who wrote an article in 1931 naming Nicotra as a forger. Now, 
Nicotra is back in the news thanks to the Galileo forgery in Michigan, which was unmasked by Nick Wilding, a historian at Georgia State University who showed the paper it, has, it, was, uh, it had been written on had a watermark dating from the late 18th century, more than 150 years after Galileo supposedly wrote it. He also linked it to several other Nicotra forgeries. Either he thought he was just invincible, or he, uh, he was maybe incredibly desperate, Wilding, who was working on a biography of Galileo, said of Nicotra. While other forgers have been more prolific, Wilding said, few have been as daring or as talented. Everything Nicotra does is plausible. There are no jarring anachronisms, he said. He knows enough to try it and get it right. There's relatively little concrete information about Nicotra, and given that he was a professional forger, the existing documentary evidence may be, must be taken with a grain of salt. I'm still getting to the part where I think the ending is the best part. Okay. And it's 35, okay, with a grain of salt. The facts seem to slip away from him. While some accounts say he was 53 at the time of his trial, a birth certificate suggests he may have been 44. Contemporary news accounts and interviews with several scholars who have studied him, however, begin to give some sense of the man in his prolific career. A courtroom sketch of Nicotra that appeared in the American Weekly portrays him as a balding, thin-faced man with glasses perched on a pointy nose, sporting mustache and goatee, and wearing either a thick scarf or some kind of furry uh, astrakhan-like collar on his coat. Nicotra cast a wide net in the types of documents he counterfeited. He forged a poem he claimed was by the Italian Renaissance poet Tasso, musical manuscripts by leading composers, and was even said to have started a minor international incident by creating a fake Columbus letter identifying his birthplace as Spain and not Italy, prompting the mayor of Genoa to write a lengthy rebuttal reaffirming Columbus's Italian ancestry. <laughs> And a, it's incredible. An account of his 1934 conviction by the Associated Press, which ran in the New York Times under the headline Autograph Faker Gets Prison Term, described how Nicotra operated. His method was to visit the Milan Library and tear out the fly leaves of old books or steal pages of manuscript and write on them in the uh, write on them the autographs of famed musicians. The librarians of Milan testified that he had ruined scores of their books. In 1928, he sold what appeared to be a signed Mozart aria called the Bacci Amorosi e Cari, supposedly written by the composer at age 14, to the Library of Congress. It was so special because, first of all, it was an unknown, so it wasn't reported in any of the thematic catalogs of Mozart at that time. I don't know. I don't know. If it was unknown, it's just, of course it's real. Paul Allen Summerfield, a music reference specialist at the Library of Congress, said in an interview, he claimed that he found this manuscript and then published the song. The library paid $60 for the document, which was later believed to have been composed by Nicotra himself. Nicotra said that he was the son of a botany professor, professor, and he wrote in one letter that he had graduated with a music degree from a conservatory in Naples in 1909. We don't know whether that's a true fact or not, Wilding said. When he published his biography of Toscanini in 1929, early critics noted that it contained a number of errors. It is seen as even more unreliable today. <laughs> <laughs> it's mostly invented conversations and so on, said Harvey Sachs, the author of a definitive 27 biog 2017 biography, Toscanini, Musician of Conscience. Uh, just made stuff up. 
1932. Uh, Nicotra toured the United States, and while masquerading as Ricardo Drigo, an Italian conductor and composer who had been <laughs> the conductor of the Imperial Ballet in Russia, and who may have been best remembered for his arrangement of Swan Lake he created after Tchaikovsky's death. Uh, the Associated Press reported that Nicotra had been feted widely in the United States as the former orchestra conductor of the Tsar of Russia. And it's actually, I kind of wanted to go back and like look at those old stories and like see, because he, he was literally in the news as someone else, like for a couple years in the United States. Wow. Um, yes. Okay. So almost, go on, go almost on. there, almost there. My main way of characterizing will be bold, um, uh, said Aaron Smith, who wrote in, uh, wrote her master's thesis on Nicotra at the University of Maryland in 2014. He was able to carry on with this for a good number of years. Okay, last couple of paragraphs here. Nicotra was also known for forging works by Giovanni Battista uh, Pergolesi, an early 18th century composer who died at the age of 26 and whose posthumous fame attracted forgers. One Pergolesi forgery wound up in the collection of the Metropolitan Opera Guild. When Christie's auctioned it in 2017, it described it as an intriguing forgery, once thought to belong to the hotly debated Pergolesi canon, and cited authorities who list it as, quote, created by the prolific forger Tobia Nicotra. It fetched just $375. Now, I would have paid $400 for that. I would have loved to have, like, a famous forger's, imp like, imposter artwork. Mm -hmm. The discovery of the Galileo leaves open the question of what happened to the many other forgeries Nicotra created, which he was quoted as saying could number as many as 600. I don't know if he did 600, but I'm sure he did more than the little we've found so far, said Richard G. King, an associate professor emeritus at the University of Maryland who was researching Nicotra. I don't think people are willing, uh, willfully hiding these things, but it's just hard to find them. And nobody wants to lose 99% uh, of the value of the item that they have. And Nicotra eventually ran afoul of the law after selling the fake Mozart manuscript to Walter Toscanini, who persuaded detectives in Milan to investigate the case. Nicotra was convicted, fined 2,400 lira, and sentenced to two years in prison. Now here's the final paragraph. Some accounts suggest that Nicotra was let out of prison early because the fascist government wanted his help forging signatures. That story, Wilding noted, is just too good to be ignored, and maybe too good to be true. And as far as I know, that's the end of like the record of that man's life, is once he got out of prison, he just disappeared forever. And perhaps got a new identity by the Italian fascist government. Wow. That's it. There's no end to his story. So. Henry Kissinger is still alive. <laughs> what makes you think? Henry Nicotra. Exactly. He's still out there from 1928. He's like 125 years old. I like that, though. I just like that. Because it, it makes me think of... Um, uh, you could have a man out there in the 30s going around pretending he's a famous um, you know, composer from Italy, getting stories written about him, being celebrated throughout the country, and he's not even the man. So what tells us that we know anything about the reality of any person online or any... Like, um, when we're reading about the Kardashians or watching the Kardashian show, I mean, we don't really know anything about the actual person who is the, you know, the person. So, we like, try. I, I was thinking about this, too, because, like, this, like, um, uh, we have this thing happening in New Mexico and a couple of other states where we have Republicans running for our, secret our state secretary of state position, um, which is essentially like our elections clerk, right? Mm -hmm. And New Mexico 
Minnesota and Michigan, I believe, are three states in which Republicans, I was re reading this the other day, which Republican candidates for this office, um, you know, believe that the whole thing was like fake and all these things. But New Mexico also is one that had all of these fake electors. Oh. These fake people that, uh, I guess, they're like real people, but they're fake electors. They weren't certifi certified as electors because there's like some process, some notary public has to sign on some dotted line or something i'm not totally sure what um but they're not and so but i was thinking about like the this like voter fraud thing and the creation of fake people and i also watched one of these simpsons episodes recently where um sideshow bob runs for something or something like that and it's all these fake people and it's like aaron a aronson voted for bob and <laughs> Aaron X. Aronson voted for Bob. Aaron Adamson voted for Bob. You know, like, they yeah. just go down. Like, I was just like, how would you know? How would anyone know, really? And I know we have all these quote-unquote safeguards, but, like, yeah. have you is, it, is, it, is it that easy to, to, like, Oh yeah. change your identity now? Like, still? Like, I mean, in, in this era of the surveillance state? Like, I think... Really? What, when, like, McDonald's knows what I want to eat because I have an app or because they can listen to me because I've considered See, the downloading thing. the app? I don't even have the app. That's the thing. I've if thought you... about it. And everyone chastises me because they're like, but you can get free fries. I'm like, but then they know where I'm at. Like, what if like, <laughs> McDonald's wants to send a SWAT team after me? <laughs> What if McDonald's does want to? So, well, here's the thing. In 2023, they might. And then, uh, see? Then you don't know that now. When McDonald's is taken over by, like, uh, BlackRock or something and turned into, a, 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 like, a military franchise. So I really wanted a Roomba because I really like the idea of not having to do anything, but my oh, yeah. it's always clean. And then... So I was gonna go. I don't know if I've told you this ridiculous story, but like, there's there there like there's no vacuums anywhere in Santa Fe. Like, you, if you go to the Target, there there's like none. Interesting. Like none of the good ones anyway, yeah. right? There's no like Roombas. There's no Dysons. You, you're better. You have to just order it online and yeah. it'll show up, right? Um, I've been carrying which, around which still a. Sucks. I've been carrying around a Miele, one of those ones for like ten years now. It's the best. You can get replaceable everything for it. So cool. See, yeah, see, that's just some smart shopping, right? <laughs> I did the research well, about in about Roswell, twenty. <laughs> exactly. I go down to the Ros to the Target down in Roswell, New Mexico, uh -huh. and they have a complete, fully stocked inventory of a variety of vacuums. I was very upset. Um, um, wow. The sale had just ended. Anyway, that's a that's a different story. What I'm getting at was that I really wanted a Roomba. Uh -huh. And then I read that article that was saying that, like, like it maps... Because, of course, it yes. does, right? Like, it maps your entire footprint of your house. Yes. It knows what's where, mm -hmm. what's what, I guess. And, yes. You know, then starts to recommend, like, oh, this table's old and ugly. Like, you should really get this table which is in the exact same dimensions as the one that you have because oh. now it's like being bought oh. by like amazon or yes, something correct and i was like wait a minute so now it's not just that the ring camera is like looking out now i'm literally inviting this thing to know the exact yeah. layout of my house i'm like this is literally setting me up to be like that dude in brazil the the bottle tuttle guy that gets like disappeared and like I don't know. Like I'm, I, I grow increasingly uncomfortable with this here on the anniversary of 9/11. Uh, 
having just so recently passed. I, I don't know. I've, I've I, been struggling, I think, a, a little bit. I understand. Bit. I understand for sure. About our surveillance state. I think... Well, I still the, really want a fucking Roomba, though. You know what's funny? A surveillance state is a... Um, it's a double... Uh, no, that's not the word for it. A surveillance state, it's the state of surveillance, but it's also the state surveilling us. <laughs> um, huh. Well, I'll tell you this, Kathy. I have cameras like all over the place on the outside of my house, but I would never put one on the inside of my house. So that's just weird. Except for the one that you're looking at right now. Hello. <laughs> Actually, technically, we have cameras in every device that we own, don't we? So. No, I mean, I, I don't. I don't like this. I don't like. I don't like any. I mean, just put tape over the front after the conversation's over. <laughs> no, I mean it doesn't matter. I mean, you know, our surveillance devices are just always in our pocket. There's no way that I'm like that sophisticated that I can turn all that off, right? Like I accidentally turned it back on one day when I was like trying to, I don't know, download a game on the Play Store or something, you know? Yeah, I um. I've long given up. Do you remember, like, I like? Did you ever like read like the Electronic Frontier Foundation and shit? Like, yeah. Oh, yeah, we need to be careful. Cory Doctorow was like my hero for a long time. I know about Cory Doctorow. Although now isn't he turned a turned a turned a? Isn't he more kind of like a techno fascist now? Isn't it more of like his? Is he still like on the forefront of fighting for us, doing EFF stuff? I don't stuff? know. Is he I still even know. part of the imagine. EFF? I don't even know. I have no idea. Uh, I mean, I I know that. Um, you know, I haven't thought, I think I've thought of Boing Boing about as recently as I've thought about FARC.com. You want to be really scared. Sooner. You want to be really scared. Go back to um, Slashdot. still exists. Um, and every story you're going to read on there is something you're going to, like a tech story that will surface in the media in like a month. <laughs> so like any of the big ones, um, you know, a company getting hacked or something like that. It's always reported like way earlier in Slashdot. For those at home. Oh wow, I have, I haven't thought about slash dot in some time. It's either. a for, wow. for for the people at home. Slash dot was the original like I'm on the computer and I'm a techno person. I'm going online to see about tech news and stuff, and that was where you would go. But now these days, it's a lot about um, people who were that person 20 years ago, who they are now. You know, but the the same idea though. It's where you're going for high level tech news, like above your average um, consumer. But it still has like Web 1.0 yes. interfacing. Mm -hmm. It still has like this like really like it, it just it's it's actually quite comforting. I would um, say that, that slash dot got replaced by dig, and then dig got replaced by Reddit, and that's basically the how that worked. That's right. Dig was a great website. I loved it at the beginning. Go to like slash dot Reddit ships or. <laughs> Reddit.com slash um, gone wild is the website you want to go to if you <laughs> figure out what's going on online. Um, uh, There's a see. front page. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so, what was I going to talk about? I actually had some other things laid out here that weren't baseball. It's funny how the first thing in my stack was actually baseball. Oh, I, I missed it. I, I understood that that, that um, some there was there was some and uh, that the minor leagues organized. Yes, in a very basic way, I think, right? Or there's pre prepping to. 
I'm not actually sure. They want their I own players' union. They want their own players' union, which totally makes sense. I don't know why they. I'm surprised they didn't already have one because there's one that already exists for the higher level players. So, like. <gasps> Breaking news. Mm. Ken Starr just died. Whoa. The Bill Clinton investigator guy. Time Take to watch. Guy. Time to watch um, that documentary. Kissinger, oh, I mean, Kissinger, please let Kissinger be next. How does Kissinger keep outliving these people? Because he yeah. probably has access to all the good stuff. Yeah, no, he, yeah. Mm -hmm. Being the guy he who put the good the stuff in place. German scientists, you know? All the ones that have uh, phantom hand syndrome. You think the queen would, but you know, ever since she made Prince Andrew persona non grata. Yeah, the queen. Hey, Kathy, do you know the queen died? I did not. Oh, wow. Wouldn't it be crazy if we went on TV and talked about it? You know, it would be crazy as if we went on TV and talked about Kim Kardashian. <laughs> There's really no way crazy. that could ever happen. Can you believe that we started this podcast, I believe, only about six months ago? Um, and uh, and we were already on television talking about our subject. Isn't that kind of funny? I mean, I, I think all this tells me is that, like, um, it, it must it must really be hard to find talent. Because I don't, I, I, you know, like, I, I'm, I, I'm just kind of doing this for a laugh. You know, I'm not even trying to break into this industry, man. Yeah, you I'm know, trying. Not I'm, really. Jokes aside, you know, I, I, I like what I do. And yeah, <laughs> I, I, I like what I do, too. And, and fortunately, it's this, so I don't have to worry about switching too much. But um, <laughs> I so love reading I would, newspapers <laughs> to people. So there, there, there was this. There, I was trying to figure out why everyone was mad at Harry Styles. Oh, yeah. Or whatever. Like, I was trying to figure that all out because I mm -hmm. don't really know who those people are except beyond the fact that, oh, that's that guy who is in One Direction, right? But I, right? Is he? <laughs> was he? Is that the band I he think. was in? Okay. I actually I don't know so. which one of the ones it was. I, that must I just be. Just look this up. Well, how did I forget already? <laughs> He's also like an actor now, right? That's like his, also his main deal. Yes, he was. He was in. He was he was in he was in One Direction. Okay. One D. Yeah. Okay. Just fine. You know, it's cool. I guess he's he's this generation's Justin Timberlake, right? There's nothing wrong uh, with that. I love Justin Timberlake. No, not not hating. You know, um, this is this is not a diss in any way, shape, or form, or you know. Not even like trying to. I'm just saying, like that's. It seems like that's the analogy. Do you know? You know what? The reason I would totally agree with you that he's this generation's JT is because I could see, um, I could see, like a, a an SNL Dick in the Box segment in his future. You know, like a musical kind of like, kind of uh, humanizing, making bringing you down to earth kind of a. I could see that. Now, will it be good? Don't know. <laughs> will it exist? Yes. That's my suspicion. Oh, that's what I was thinking. Mm -hmm. um, I couldn't keep track of who all the different Olivias were. Well, and there's Olivia Newton-John, R.I.P. Well, that one, she, she, she's, she's the one and only. Yes. But these other, the, uh, so there was like, there was Olivia Wilde, the, the director that the movie of the thing, mm -hmm. and I legitimately thought that that was the lady who used to do the video game show. Oh, uh, Olivia Munn. Yes. Yes. 
who has gone on of course to do Actress. like all kinds of other things mm -hmm. yeah and and like and then most recently was also in the news because of the whole john mulaney thing yeah and that's like, right that dude's, like breakup and yeah how he cheated on his wife with her whatever like which is also all weird and fucked up that we know any of that shit right? yeah i know but that yeah. was what i mean is i was like googling these people to remember who they were like there was this like paparazzi shot of like olivia munn like pushing like a baby stroller around and you know she looks like a, a woman who is pushing a baby stroller around right and here comes the paparazzi like shoving a camera in her face like the most invasive thing ever while she's also holding her child i don't know like i was just like man we really fucked up our society somehow like <laughs> i like i was fine just remembering oh yeah that's the video game show lady yeah and the, the internet somehow was still like here take all of this sensational bullshit about her and i was like Attack of the Show was apparently, uh, yeah, it's, <coughs> you know, her breakout, I believe, was she was in Terminator, uh, not Terminator, she was in Transformers 2, I think, or something like that. Yeah, again, I looked it up and I already forgot, right? Like, um, she was maybe in, what, she, was she one of the Fantastic Four, one of the X-Men? I mean, I, again, I don't She was remember. one of the X-Men. Okay, she was one of the X-Men. <laughs> she was she was uh what no one, one of them i can't remember which one but yes she was See? how about this right it's an article in the wall street journal the mansion section called so you want to buy a town i'm just gonna read this little subtitle to you you tell me if it's worth reading more saji daniel and shannon mcgauley bought a home in tiny foxburg pennsylvania the next thing they knew they owned nearly the whole town please continue okay Saji Daniel and his fiancée, Shannon McCauley, were holed up in their Cleveland-area home amid the pandemic in October 2020 when they got an unexpected call from their neighbor, Lou Kepler. Dr. Kepler was inviting them to visit Foxburg, a small town in Pennsylvania's picturesque Allegheny River Valley, owned by a longtime friend of his. To the couple, it sounded like a nice day of leaf-peeping and an escape from the city. But Dr. Kepler had a secret hope that Mr. Daniel and Ms. McGauley might buy the whole town. I'm going to continue. For decades, the revitalization of Foxburg, with a population of roughly 180 people, had been the pet project of Dr. Kepler's friend, retired spinal surgeon Art Steffi. Dr. Steffi owned a sprawling residential compound in the area and had invested millions of dollars into developing Foxburg. Now, Dr. Steffi was 86 and looking to pass the baton. A few days later, after a brief trip to Foxburg, Mr. Daniel agreed to buy Dr. Steffi's home, known as the Riverstone Estate, which has been asking $15 million. Then, over the next few months, he and Ms. McGauley agreed to acquire all of Dr. Steffi's holdings in downtown Foxburg, multiple local businesses, and around 50 residential lots, all of which had quietly been on the market for a total of more than $3 million. Before they knew it, they owned most of the town. Since then, he and Ms. McGauley have invested over half a million dollars into renovating downtown Foxburg and plan on investing over $3 million in the next few years. The couple's friends and family thought they had lost their minds. Quote, our lawyers and financial advisors, I'm sure you can imagine how it goes on, said we were insane for trying to buy a town. Yes. There's a second segment of the article. I'll continue if you want. But. So I am currently on gofoxburg.com. <laughs> yes. Where it looks like you can go on a variety of hay, hay rides. 
Can you like buy the police station or like the company, the I community mean, chest? I mean, you know what? I I mean, I would buy it just to burn it down. Can you I buy mean, the I railroad? Like... Yeah, Home. I know. Like, what a situation. So it says about us. So when you go to the website, the banner is at the bottom and it says home about us attractions events calendar contact and then more and then when you go to about it says we are the same husband wife team who brought you foxberg's chocolate shop <laughs> soon after we opened our doors in 2007 from our previous hillside location we felt an urgent need to have an internet presence for foxberg okay. we not only wanted visitors to find our handmade belgian chocolate confections oh i would love to also learn about other area attractions mm. we wish for our community to thrive and the vision of dr arthur steffi the philanthropist behind the revival of this tourist destination to be realized with that in mind we launched the first version of this website in the summer of 2009 <laughs> how's it looking for 2009 uh, are, are, are we say, looking at version three here uh, it looks pretty good. I like it. Hey, I, I cool. like this. I like this web page. Okay. Uh, I'll, I'll admit that I think the text is a little too big, but mm -hmm. luckily I used Firefox, so it's pretty easy to just okay. control the size of the text. I like that. But, you know. You know, uh, I, I hadn't actually marked this story for us to read. I just kind of my eyes struck upon it because it was from Friday's paper here as I was flipping through it. And I'm glad that we looked at it because this is like easily one of the weirdest stories I've seen in a while. Um, the mansion section of the Wall Street Journal is fascinating because it's like every story that they put in here is like someone telling on themselves. It's like, I'm doing something extremely weird or I bought a house in a very strange location for an absorbent amount of money. And you're like, what else is happening in this community? Um, Let me tell you what else is happening. This is what the, the house looks like, by the way. That's It doesn't look like <laughs> a, it's just a pink house on a lake. It's not like... So if you go to the attraction section of gofoxburg.com, mm -hmm. they list out on their Google map page, gourmet chocolate handmade in Foxburg, <laughs> Pennsylvania. Okay. Luxurious rooms with breathtaking river views at the Foxburg Inn. Mm -hmm. The Foxburg Pizza and Country Store serving pizza, subs, and breakfast foods. Okay. Uh, Segway and boat tours and bike rentals. Uh, an experience with nature at the Foxburg Wine Cellars. Oh. Where apparently you get wasted and then sit in nature. Cool. Uh, you can have fine dining with a scenic river view at the Allegheny Grill. Okay. Uh, red brick gallery and gift shop. Okay live musical performances oh man i wonder what those <gasps> oh were like oh my god okay no i okay. found a reason to go are you all right ready? i'm ready the oldest golf course in the country in continuous operation wow that's incredible that's a truly incredible fact when you click on their more info it takes you to the foxburg country club wow and there appears to be some kind of um line error in their code that is not allowing their plug-in you get an error message oh uh, see real real 2009 vibes but um there are some lovely photos be below the broken map that mm -hmm. still tell a lovely story there's like a big giant clock out front of the 
clubhouse. Oh, I love a clock, a city clock. Yeah. It was built in 1912 as a private residence. Um, if you are a golfer, you grew up knowing game's first venue was the old course at St. Andrews in Scotland. That's right. But what you may not know is that the Gulf's American roots can be traced to the tiny rural community of Foxburg in northwestern mm, Pennsylvania. No way. Okay. Golf has been played in America in one form or another since 1786, but none of the courses established before 1888 have survived to the present day. Wow. <gasps> Except... One. Uh-huh. On May 1st, 1785, the Land Office of Pennsylvania issued warrants for the purchase of land in western Pennsylvania. That means they killed a bunch of people. Oh, shit. Ten years later, Samuel Fox purchased six warrants <laughs> along the Allegheny River, <laughs> upon which to build the prominent family's vast summer estate and ultimately established the site for what would later become the oldest golf course. Golf course. Uh, um, uh, do you think the oldest golf course is anything like the oldest house? That is a reference for anyone who's played the game Control. In other words, it's constantly shifting and opening portals to new dimensions. Um, the answer also is yes. the oldest house is in Santa Fe, allegedly. Oh, really? I, I, I don't know if it just means the oldest house like in Santa Fe. I just mean like... Where could the oldest house really be? Like, how how fast and loose are we playing with the word house here? It's kind of saying, like, what's the oldest chair, right? It starts to get really ontological and philosophical. Like, isn't a tree trunk just a chair yeah. if I'm using it as a chair? And so, like, isn't any dwelling or abode really just a house? How are we defining house here? Is yeah. it adequate shelter? Does how, that mean running water? Did hmm. How about this? Does a rock right just a simple rock does it count as a chair unless it has been designed to be a chair with a little carving out or maybe just a proper positioning so that you can sit on it or would that any old rock just be a chair if you really want to just sit on it well i don't think you could sit on just any old rock it has that's to true. also be suitable as a chair that's true right? like yeah. in other words it can't be like too like you know spiky yeah. You know, but a, once you find a, a, a good and see, you could you I, I could also imagine happening upon a rock, not doing mm. any work to the rock whatsoever, that just by happenstance, it could serve as a chair. And should I come upon it, it is I who has turned it into a chair by my upon it. Let me Nay, ask the stone was never a chair and yet has always been a chair in potentia. IMO. <laughs> mm. How about this? Uh, your 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 uh, definition uh, as it stands would would your um, would your situation apply to any kind of mounted creature such as a dragon or a saber toothed cat? Would they count as a chair as you're mounting them? A living chair that moves you around. I mean, I feel like they would first have to like allow me to sit on them. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, we're we're supposing that a saber toothed cat has been domesticated, and for this argument. I mean, in this argument, then if they let me sit upon them, then yes. But you know, then but they have to sit still, okay. right? Be um, yes. And then for that duration, I think they could act as chair. Though I think the way you sit on them would not be yeah. Like you'd, I think you'd also have to sit on them as chair, <laughs> right? As opposed to like how you mount them, you know? Because you then would. you're just mounting. You have to sit the side, uh, the saber tooth cat side saddle, and um, mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
here's a little bit of I, I, I don't think he'd i don't think he'd allow it let me give you an uh, august 31st royals report here from the usa today this is before the queen passed away royals report Meghan addresses race. The Duchess of Sussex addressed the complex relationship she has with blackness as a mixed woman with light skin and how that shifted after she began dating her now husband, Prince Harry, during an episode of her Archetypes podcast. We should tune into that. If there's any time in my life that it's been more focused on my race, it's only once I began dating my husband. Then I started to understand what it was like to be treated as a black woman, she said, because up until then I had been treated like a mixed woman. All and things really shifted. Uh, Royals report, and that was before we knew anything was up. Mm. So let me just go ahead and put this away. The disinventation and all that stuff suddenly makes a lot more sense. I'm just keeping all the Queen stuff to the left as I go through these papers. Let's see, I marked a couple other things here. Um, 828 Productions in Santa Fe, New Mexico will relocate its headquarters to Las Cruces, joining Netflix and NBC Universal as film partners uh, with the state. Governor Michelle Lujan Grisham said Wednesday. There was a missing word in that sentence, but that wasn't my fault. <laughs> um, I, I appreciate the New Mexico news. Yes. I have. I actually have have not have not yet heard anything about one uh, Alec Baldwin uh, in some time. Uh, there's been a little bit of quiet, but I'm sure soon enough we'll know everything that we need to know. Tolls are going up in Manhattan. Isn't that too bad? Um, have you heard about this? We're altering the genes of plants to uh, refine photosynthesis and improve cro crops yield. That does not sound like any kind of thing that will turn into like a zombie plant monster that lives in the basement of someone's lab in a video game. Lead me. <laughs> no, I think it's all gonna. I mean, I I, I feel like it's like like we're we're really just accelerating this slow boat <laughs> to hell. You know, like. Uh, <laughs> I just want to appreciate for a moment how all I have to do is read the headline. We both know the story, and you can go on it. I don't have to read the story. I mean, I can imagine it, right? I mean, yeah, it's bad. Like, so, so they're either being sensational, no matter what, mm -hmm. right? Like, I mean, but, but we, but we have managed to do all kinds of crazy shit in in this so far. I I, I was remembering um, recently or earlier this week um, the. Uh, uh, the the monkey who uh, who had a, a gene splice with a jellyfish, and oh. what it what it what it, it was like the first like interspecies like uh, gene splicing, and basically what happened is the monkey was able to have like phosphorescent hair follicles. It was just like a tracer or something. I don't really know. Yeah. I, I don't get it. But this happened in like the year two thousand. Like twenty years ago. Holy and shit! Like, like that sounds like it should be something that just catches the headlines right now, right? It sounds crazy. Yeah, like the so chimera. It happened thing. some time ago, so the advances that must have happened between then and now, you know, as a non-science person in that way, must must just be on levels I can't even comprehend. Yeah, right? they're just like, not talking about it in public. Just, yeah, it's like a pigeon rat. You know, like, I don't mm -hmm. know. I know I, I totally feel you. I feel like we're we're getting about ten percent of the science news that's actually happening, because um, most of it is probably proprietary. Mm -hmm. Let's see. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, I'm ready for a new creature to drop at any moment. You know, that's been created. What kind of lab. animal would you want to be crossed with? Uh, something that can fly, or how about this? Something that lives 
an extended period of time. Mm. Like, uh... Something both. Something, some things do that both. Cranes? The cranes? <laughs> They're nice. How long does Longest a crane live? Living bird. Yeah. P parrots? Birds with longest lifespan. Mm -hmm. Nine... Nine oldest birds. No, wait, that, that has nine oldest birds by name. What? <laughs> like, Is listed it? by alphabetical order instead of listed by lifespan? It doesn't help anyone. Yeah. <laughs> Here's a list of information that might be helpful. None, it's all out of no, order. No, no, hold on, hold on. It, it lists the nine oldest birds in the world, but by name. Okay? Number nine. Okay. Chile, okay. uh -huh. unknown birth <laughs> to a birth date to death date April 6, 2018. Okay. But believed to be around 60 years old. Okay. It's reasonable. Oh, oh I, I guess the, the 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 name of the flamingo is Chile. Oh, oh, is it flamingo? There oh, we go. Okay. Uh, number eight, a bird named Wisdom, which is a, a an albatross who is believed to have been 68 years old uh a wild banded bird uh mm -hmm. thou a condor approximately oh. 80 years old wow connecticut uh born at the beardsley zoo okay a flamingo named greater Ooh. about 83 years old wow a Ma Major Mitchell's cockatoo who lived to be 83. Wow. Poncho, a female green wing macaw who lived to the ripe old age of 92. That's a beautiful bird. Fred, a male sulfur crested cockatoo who will be 103 years old in 2018. That's incredible. So, wow. That's incredible. Number two. Oh, wow. Number two. Yeah, no, we're not even at the top yet. <gasps> Number two, the blue and yellow macaw. Oh. Who reached 114. Wow. That's incredible. And the number one oldest bird, Cocky Bennett. Cocky Bennett. A sulfur-crested cockatoo from South New South Wales, Australia who reached the ripe old age of 120 years old. And I'm going to fucking send you, I'm going to DM you this article. <laughs> yeah, this, I, the photos. I need to see this bird. Are bananas. <laughs> and when you get, when you get to Cocky Bennett, let me tell you, okay. your heart is going to soar. Okay, let me, uh, let me just get all Cocky this. Cocky Bennett was a, while you pull that up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, you have to see it. While you do that, I am going to read the description of one Cocky Bennett, who was a legendary bird who lived in Australia and died at the age of 120 in the year, the month of May, in the year 1916. Wow. This makes Cocky Bennett the oldest bird ever in the world. When Cocky Bennett died, the Sydney Morning Herald printed an obituary calling him a venerable cockatoo. 
Cocky Bennett originally belonged to Captain Ellis and spent the first 78 years of his life traveling around the world on Ellis's ship. After Ellis okay. died at the age of 87, wow. Cocky went to live with Ellis's nephew, Joseph Bowden, and his wife, Sarah. Joseph died in 1889, and Sarah kept Cocky and took him with her when she married Charles Bennett, the licensee of the Seabreeze Hotel. Wow. Cocky lived at the hotel for many years and loved to talk with the hotel's guests. Sarah retired in 1915 and then left Cocky with her nephew, Murdoch Alexander Wagshall, who ran the Woolpack Hotel. Cocky <laughs> spent the rest of his years there and made many new friends before he died. Wow. With citations, may I add, That's to the dictionary of Sydney.org. Cocky Bennett is now my new favorite um, piece of Australian information that I know of. It's just, I don't know what could be better than that. And his picture is so, besides being our thumbnail for the um, episode, there's no way it can't be. Wow. Well, RIP to Cocky Bennett, um, born 1796, died May 26, 1916, world's oldest bird. Male sulfur crested cockatoo. Wow. 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 Really? And now I'm looking at all the other articles. I'm just going to read the, the headlines of the articles down in related post for that one. Ten oldest horses in the world. Going to open that tab. <laughs> Seven oldest goldfish that ever lived. Going to open that one. Eleven oldest zoos in the world. Eh, kind of interesting. I mean, there's something there, too. Seven oldest spiders in the world. Okay. Eight of the oldest clams ever found in the world. Okay, we're going to save those. Those will be on the next episode. I will promise you that. Okay. Let's see. Um. So I just want to acknowledge yes. that I would stand and salute the funeral procession of one cocky Bennett. Yes. But if for whatever reason, the Queen of England the Queen of England's Bless funeral him. procession were to go by me. Mm -hmm. Why I would I would heckle it, my good sir. I would I would heckle the Queen. Damn the consequences. You know what? So would uh, would Cocky respect the Queen, or would Cocky uh, revert to parrot mode and go wild? I don't know. I mean. He, he, I don't know. I, I feel like I feel like uh, you know that this is a question for our Australian friends. Mm. Do you think Cocky Bennett, who lived under the administration of Her Majesty the Queen, uh, respected her rule? And you can uh, reply in the comments, please. <laughs> under this video. Um, Oh, Kanye West raised some eyebrows last week. This was several weeks ago, so pretend this uh, happened a month and a half ago, because it did. Kanye West raised some eyebrows last week when he decided to display clothes from his collaboration with Gap in what appeared to be large trash bags, because he was inspired by, quote, the homeless. Yesterday, he refused to back down. The rapper 45 clarified that the merchandise is actually stuffed into large construction bags in a Fox News interview, calling himself an innovator. West added, I am not here to sit up and apologize for my ideas. That's exactly what the media tries to do, make us apologize for any idea that doesn't fall under it exactly the way they want us to think. This is not a joke. This is not a game. This is just a celebrity collaboration. This is my life. So, yep, that man's doing all right. 
And that's that's business Kanye. That's the real Kanye talking there. Mm-hmm. Let's not forget. Business Kanye is the only Kanye that's real. Um, fascinating. There was something else on that page, which is not as funny. Um, I mean, so... Uh, do you know what a tianguis is? Uh, what's that? Do you know what a tianguis no, is? No, I, I, I do mean, not. I, yeah, I mean, how could you? No, I mean, I, I, it's somewhat rhetorical. I'm not trying to oh. dismiss it. But it's definitely a Mexican <laughs> thing, right? Okay. So, but a, a tianguis is like a, think think like a farmer's market, but not okay. bougie. All right. Not bougie, right? Um, you, you can buy anything at a tianguis. You can buy fresh fruits and vegetables. You could buy bars of soap, hair products, the combs, thing, uh, clothes, new, used, counterfeit, real. Um, you could buy uh, chickens, depending on how rural you want to get in a Tiangi situation. You could buy like fresh poultry and uh, all kinds of things, right? Um, that's how that's how the clothes are they're just like in a pile and and there's not like it's not like a ceremonious thing it's just like oh look look at all this shit and go through and you go oh that's a cute shirt whatever and you take it and you're done right that's basically what kanye set up right like it's not like it's really not that innovative it's just piles of shit like the goodwill store is like that like mm-hmm. it's just piles and piles of shit it's fine you know yeah. i don't know i think i'm upset that he one he thinks he's innovative yes two that people are kind of i mean of course they're playing into it there's money to be made off of him but you know the, the fellow needs to i you know he needs to update his language us. for one i mean i like how even the new york post put the word homeless in quotes because they knew that that was like a fucked up weird thing for him to say <laughs> Even the even post knew them, that. Yeah. Right? Even they're starting to be, like, more sensitive. Yeah. Right? Because, like, they know that, like, otherwise they're not going to sell papers. Right? Like, they, they see the tide turning. Mm-hmm. You know, like, as far as all that. Right? Absolutely. Like, uh, for, for however much conservatives are going to complain about being woke or whatever, like, no, like, no one cares anymore. Like, like it's just they're getting louder or whatever. But it's just it's not wokeness. It's just it's just no one cares. Yes. No one cares. Yeah. No one cares anymore. And no pe- one cares about that shit anymore. Is maybe how I want to put it. We have it. better that's shit it. to worry about. <laughs> so how about this? Uh, Russia. Uh, I, I, this is a tiny little article in the Post, but I, I, I have this just because of the Nathan um, connection to this. Russia opens a Starbucks clone. Um, a restaurateur and rapper duo unveiled Stars Coffee on Thursday, reopening the chain of coffee shops in Russia, formerly owned by Starbucks. <laughs> At a packed launch in Moscow, rapper Tiamati uh, presented the new brand, whose logo features an image of a woman with a star above her head alongside co-owner Anton Paniski before shops start opening on Friday. The logo could be the twin of the Starbucks mermaid, and the menu would look familiar. The duo vowed to reopen all the former Starbucks under their new identity. Nice. They really pulled nice, a, I like that. Yeah, me too. They pulled a... They just did the Nathan for you thing. They even used the stores. Like... Yeah, well, I mean, why reinvent the wheel? Right. You know, like that, like like all the infrastructure's there. And they're like, well, we're gonna do like the same thing you used to have, except now we're now we're the people who own it. Anyone can. Now do we're that. gonna call it a vento. <laughs> exactly. Oh, I still have the one about Natalie Portman in here. Okay, that's in the stack. Oh, I'm out of coffee. That reminds me. Okay. I need to get coffee. Let's I mean, not at this exact moment. I mean, when I go shop. Oh, I saw a dark Brandon meme in the USA Today. That's why I saved it, just so I could show it to you. 
Uh, they were exper- this whole. It's a whole article about what Dark Brandon is. This article, um, just explaining in case you weren't like aware, the illustrated origin story of a President Biden meme. I don't even want to read it because it's so. Oh God, it's long. Um, but we know how that came up. It's very strange. <laughs> That's the answer. Um, see, here's one about doing yoga on the beach. I thought it was kind of strange and funny, but it's old now. Uh, what else? What else? Oh, this is <laughs> this is the story. Uh, you already know this one. This is uh, your story, which I won't read because. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <clears throat> Kathy died age sixty-nine. Everyone. Mm-hmm. Critics say Metaverse could use a makeover. Um, this was just an article that I was reading that kind of gave me a perspective. It basically says that professional programmers and artists are not into uh, making content for the metaverse. No, they've done it before. It was called Second Life. I think we talked about this. Yes. That's those, and those people will be the ones making content for VR chat and all those other things that exist now, too, that will be bigger um, when they get there. The funny thing is that there are private companies out there, and not many people are aware of this. Like, Facebook has their own, like, meta thing that they're doing or whatever but like other companies have been doing like vr chat for twice three times as long as they have and they've uh-huh. successfully one successfully monetized it way before now so they've already have like a business model key part of a <laughs> business plan is revenue um and the other thing is that uh they're probably already doing it better and more modifiable with like you know, content, you can, like, I made this model in a model program. Now I'm going to stick it in the game, and there's no, like, middleman or anything like that. People can, it's like, uh, they democratize, like, content distribution and charging and stuff like that. So it's really hard for me to imagine that Facebook will come in without buying one of those and actually do their own metaverse thing, but we'll see. All I know is that those skins for those VR chats, those are making tons of money. Tons. That's all. Sorry. I went to, I, I, I Googled Second Life. Mm-hmm. And it's still around. And I didn't know that. I thought it was one of the dead communities, like all of those other ones. There's a means TV show called Preserving Worlds. Um, if you just type in Preserving Worlds, it should come up. They have like a Twitter and stuff. But uh, there's a Second Life episode of Preserving Worlds, which I haven't seen, but I was just looking at today and thinking about watching. So it's funny you brought that up. Because I haven't thought about Second Life in probably six months. Um, so it says... Uh, when you go to their about page it says like here's like our brief history we launched and blah 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 and then it goes down into our values and of course they're based in like san francisco this is clearly silicon valley dipshit shit and they have uh, for those who don't know the second life online virtual platform was developed by a group called linden labs yeah and they have up here underneath our values it says the Dow of Linden. Wow. The Dow of Linden was created at the very beginning of Linden Lab, uh-huh. and it continues to be our guiding principles to this day. Uh-huh. One. Uh, they're not numbered. I'm just going to, okay. uh, just you know, to kind of indicate that a new one has started. One. Respect everyone. Okay. Say good morning. Uh-huh. Be passionate and civil. Disagree respectfully. Don't say anything about someone you wouldn't say to them. Mm. Have empathy for the amazing people who use our products. View our world through yeah. their eyes. Yeah. 
two, yeah. assume good intent. Teams are stronger than individual. This is awful. Diverse teams are even stronger. Own your successes and failures. Disagree and commit. Be humble in the face of our awe-inspiring world. I like disagree and commit. The answers are outside. They just said, go touch grass. You will not find the answers to your questions in a conference room. Oh, well, yeah. Pass on what you have learned. God, this is awful. <laughs> Are we passing on what we've learned, Kathy? Is that what this? Oh my God! Is? I would not want to. I would not want to work with any of these people. <laughs> they, you know what else they named? So the the people who founded the company, their last name was Linden, if I remember correctly, and that mean and they named the currency in the game after them, Linden Linden Bucks or whatever. Linden Lindens is actually what the currency was. Wow. Linden. Well, uh, if, none of them are here. None of them are on the. If you're none, interested. None of them are in the management. If you're interested, um, the, the listener, uh, Linden Labs is located in San Francisco, and you can go visit their offices if you like. They're on Front Street, downtown yeah, San Francisco. Yeah, it says, when you click on you can come work there, it mm-hmm. says things like you can join talented people. That makes sense, right? Mm-hmm. Enjoy great benefits. That's the kind of thing they would say. Mm-hmm. Like ping pong, workout classes, and massages. I like getting massages. Second Life Headquarters. Come hungry. Our offices provide weekly catered lunches. Once a week. Yeah. Quarterly Linden Waffle Days. (laughs) Meet the Love Machine. Are you ready? This is where it becomes a cult. Yeah. Our unique peer-to-peer appreciation tool, the Love Machine empowers employees to express their gratitude for their colleagues and reward each other with quarterly bonuses. That okay, all sounds... Says, are you ready? Please. And then it says, love where you work. And then it says, bring your dog. <laughs> I like the idea of downtown San Francisco in some office building on like the fifth floor. There's like dogs in the elevator. <laughs> like bringing your dog up and... Hey, I mean, if you wanna you wanna work in downtown uh, San Francisco on one of the oldest video games still remaining on the internet, you can. Or excuse me, I shouldn't say video game. I should say virtual world. Try uh, Linden Labs. They still exist, apparently. I'm floored. I'm floored too. gonna make some cool tweets right now anyway please, please continue. yeah i'm just i'm just flipping through i'm always trying to find something here um you know I, I go through all week and i save newspaper articles here's one i read last time about jill zarin actually that was the double episode let's see babcock ranch no we'll, we'll talk about that at some point um Babcock Ranch. Oh, yeah, Vogelbach. I'll talk about local celebrity sports hero uh, Vogelbach. I'm going to interview him at some point. Put that over here. Church. Church left. That was I did talk about that. I went to go see Weird Al. Oh, yes. Kathy. Kathy, Kathy. You went and saw Weird uh, Albert Yankovic. Yes. Weird. The, the one and only. <laughs> the oh. Alberto Yankovic. Another victory back there. That's how good... 
That's how good everything's going back there. So please tell me everything about Weird Al Yankovic at the Santa Fe Opera. What was your experience? Oh my like? God. Well, first of all, Emo Phillips opened, which was a, surreal, a bit of a surreal experience, I got to admit. It felt like a really long time ago that I had even really thought about Emo Phillips. <laughs> um, no offense to him. I mean, you know, I just really hadn't thought about him. Yeah. Um, and. Uh, It, it, I'll say his his the, the, there were a couple of like edgy bits in the uh, in the comedy which felt kind of a little out of place. I mean, interesting. Not just yeah, like uh, fine, you know. But there's hmm. a lot of hmm. Weird Al is a very kid friendly kind of show. I just kind of want to make clear. Typically. Anyway, it was at the opera. It was badass. It was yeah. like the greatest thing. Um, and all you know, of course, our, all everyone could talk about was this uh, spoof biopic. Oh, um, right. That's soon to come out where we're the one and only Weird Al is played by the one and only Daniel Radcliffe, a.k.a. Harold Potter. Harold Potter uh, Jr., yes. Or no, his, that wasn't his father's. Never mind. <laughs> yes, Harold Potter. <laughs> uh, so. It's great. It was delightful. I can't wait to enjoy more of the. Um, offbeat shows that may happen at the opera that aren't just opera. Yeah, they have. Uh, so that means the season's over, right? Um, and that means, is there anything else in the off season that looked interesting? You know, I didn't see actually. Like, you know, they they they'll have like a bunch of like kind of normal stuff that is always kind of interesting, right? They'll have like a flamenco night, which I've always wanted to go to. It just sounds like a really cool experience. Never been, you know, things of that sort. Um, but no, once once I got once I got the Weird Al, I was like, oof. Okay, I think I'll, I'll I think I'll have had enough. I um. The first, I think I said, told a story in the show before. The very first concert I ever went to was Weird Al, and uh, and man, what a wonderful time that was! That was the tour for when that Star Wars song came out, uh, the Episode One. The Yoda. Uh, oh, that was it. That's right. He made two different Star. It was the uh, uh, Saga Begins, the one about like Darth Vader. It was sort of like American Pie, Miss American Pie, the Don McLean song. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, love that one. When I was a no, kid, I guess there's still a full. The Wilco is playing, and Emmylou Harris is playing. Okay, well, that's bigger than I thought. They and had. Then fl- that's it, basically. They had like uh, the the biggest band I can remember coming through there in the last several years, where I was even like a- around to know was Fleet Foxes. I remember that came through, and everyone was like, "Wow, that's crazy that they would come through here." Um. Oh, I just look at this. I just pulled up uh, our favorite poem that's stuck in the middle of uh, an article for some reason um, that I read on oh, the no. podcast. Yeah, exactly. Wow. Got to put that in the ar- the pile of things that we've read. Unfortunately, you should you should you should also screen cap it. Did we link to it? Uh, we never we never did, but I need to put it out there just so that people can. I'll hold. I'll just I'll put this to the side so I can take a cap. I'm putting all the um, things that we've read in a pile. Somehow things we've read have ended up in this pile, which is why I'm not reading this stuff. Well, baby, I hear the blues are calling. Toss salad and scrambled eggs. You know what they say? You know what they say? You know what they mean? I don't know what the fuck they say. Oh, no, no. They're coming again. Right? No, they're calling again. Look at me. Fuck up all of the lyrics to it. Has anyone ever, like, done a deep dive on the origin of that uh, intro song and tried to figure out, like, what the concept was, what the intended humor was, like, what 
was was Kelsey Grammer kind of just like what, what's the deal on that oh, I'm totally looking it up okay there because there is a story there has to be obviously <gasps> vulture.com in the year 2012 mm-hmm as opposed to Screen Rant, who writes this in April of this year. Wow. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, it's on Genius.com. That's the one I'm linking. Okay. You know. But I'm gonna go to Vulture, because they obviously, they scooped it, right? This says 2012. Okay. And it says, Vulture.com, Frazier's, Frazier, Fra- Frazier Crane. <laughs> That's his name. Tossed salads and scrambled eggs explained, finally. Okay. A totally 2012-styled headline. This is something I need. This is something I need. Thank you. And the internet solves yet another pressing 90s pop culture mystery. I love it. Former Frasier writer Ken Levine tracked down Bruce Miller, the composer of the sitcom's theme song, and asked him to explain those puzzling, possibly salacious lyrics tossed salads and scrambled eggs uh-huh levine came through his response i was told to any direct references to specific subject matter so it was necessary to stay away from words about psychiatry radio shows the oh. name frazier and anything else directly indicating aspects of the show huh. i called my friend daryl finesse who is really talented and really smart I gave him the idea of the show, and he called back with the idea of tossed salads and scrambled eggs. At first, I was a bit baffled myself until he explained that these things were things that were mixed up, like Fraser Crane's patience. Or Fraser would have gone with a Files of Mrs. Basil E. Frankweiler reference instead, but no matter. Okay, I don't get that. Uh, Case weirdly closed. That's what it says. I don't know. That doesn't fully answer my questions, but I think we're a little bit closer, maybe. Okay, well, when you go to Genius.com... Okay. Um, they, the first annotation on Genius links to that article that I just mentioned. Mm-hmm. And then has contributors who are saying things of their own, such as, and maybe I seem a bit confused. <laughs> yeah, maybe. But I got you pegged. Apparently, when, when, when Genius contributor says, uh-huh. though he may seem a bit out of sorts and bewildered himself, Fraser expresses a solid understanding of his patience with confidence. So here, the annotator seems to indicate that the singer is himself Fraser Crane. That's what I was to perceive my whole life, but I wasn't 100% sure because I don't remember him singing in the show. So then the I in the song is, fra- is supposed to be Fraser's POV, according uh, to this annotator. Okay. I don't know. I, it's not the author, right? Just... Do you know what we could do? <clears throat> I bet. I, I bet. I bet that if we look, look someone annotated. No, I have to tell you this. Okay, okay someone please, annotated please, please, please. the phrase. Yes. They're calling again. That one. Yeah. Has been annotated. Their problems are endless. 
he gets new callers every day. Oh shit, that does make sense. They're calling again because oh, it's on a radio why show. Again. It's because it's endless, and they're he gets new again. callers every day. So it's because they're calling again, one more time, from the top. Someone huh. wrote. So you know how at the end of the song, at the end of the episode, mm-hmm. you hear the singer go, "Good night, Seattle. We yeah. love you." Yeah. That has been annotated here on the Genius website as uh-huh. well. Do you want to hear what it says? Please. It says, thank you, Genius Annotator. I would never have known. It says, a reference to the show being based and filmed in the city of C- Seattle. <laughs> in the pilot, you never had moved back to his hometown of Seattle from Boston. That's right. Which is where the character had lived mm-hmm. in during its stay in the universe of the TV show Cheers. I like how the character Frazier, is referred to as it. <laughs> Is a spin-off of that show. Thank you, genius annotator with three thumbs up. You never figured that the character um, Frasier on the on the show Cheers would be the star of the show Frasier. I would have never expected that. You know what I love about that show too is he was on that show for like eight or nine years. I mean, he was like a man. He was he. I mean, the character Frasier Crane is probably one of the most televised characters just in general from those all those combined years. Like, how long was he on? Um, he must have been on the, for the first five years. Cheers. I don't know. I have no idea. He and was then, a major character. Then you add in all of his fucking Simpsons episodes as not Frasier Crane. The Frasier episodes... Yeah, exactly. The, the Frasier episodes of... Um, cheers were always like the special episodes you get like it would be like the whole story the a and b story would all be about fraser him and his ex-wife lilith and then um some other person usually he's dating someone new or his son comes or a child comes to his life or i don't know i can't remember the whole story um but man fraser was always there and fraser was like friends with norm if i remember correctly like fraser and norm were like buddies how many how many times did the cheers gang come visit fraser and whom? Multiple times. Three Willis or four times. At least three or four times. Um, there is an episode where uh, Rich, uh, Ratzenberger, uh, Ratzenberg goes to visit him. Um, Norm. Uh, and no. God. Cliff. Okay, here's, here's, here's a spicy question. Mm-hmm. I think... That Better Call Saul is better than Breaking Bad. I already agree with that. Or you disagree? I, I, I yeah, already, without even seeing before? the final season, I could already tell you that by season three or four. I find it to be a much more interesting show. Um, and it's just the same, it's the same creative team, just more developed. So in my mind, I don't, if they didn't feel that way about their own work going through it, you know, I think that. What, what do you think? What, do you have evolved thoughts about that? No, no, I have. No, I wanted to make a new analogy. Mm-hmm. Is, and this is framed as a question, not an assertion. Okay. Is Frasier better than Cheers? Um, you know, I haven't watched I've watched way more Cheers than I've watched a Frasier. So I can't give you a definitive answer on that one. Um... My guess is, since the same creative team was involved in it, their goal was to create a show that had more viewership and was more watched. 
is that the truth though i don't know i know that frazier was you know next to friends on the same network the biggest show on tv at its time um hmm. that's a good question that was really the era of when every network had about 15 sitcoms competing at the same time slot. So <laughs> if there, if that was the most watched one at the time and it, it had viewer records above Cheers, I mean, that was kind of when cable started to come out too. So when people were watching Cheers, a lot of that was on local affiliates, only three options. You're probably watching a lot of Cheers. By the time that Frasier came around, you had cable and you had a lot of other options. You weren't just, you know, you had HBO and everything else. So Interesting context that I did not think of. And yet, you know, kind of made me start thinking about other shows where the shows, mind you, where the sequel was perhaps better than or maybe same caliber as, right? Because Stargate I Atlantis. I don't think that happened. I think Stargate Atlantis is a better show than Stargate SG-1. I mean, I love all the characters in SG-1, but Atlantis was the show that made it like, that really took all its progressive social stuff and was like, this is what the show's about now. It's about all the things you liked in Star Trek about alien races you know, being a cover for racism, but now it's like what the show's about in the real, it's, it's this, it's, it's the, um, it's the Voyager. No, it's, yeah, it is. It's the Voyager. It's the deep space nine. It is that kind of spinoff of the sci-fi show. It's everything, you know, and love, but now in new scenarios and everyone's Have there been, like, stuck in a ship. type of nerd spinoffs. Like, I mean, Star Lone Trek Gunman? does that all the time. No. Lone, Lone Gunman, Gunman is good, that. but it's, yeah, but they only did it for like a yeah. season. No? And Millennium had three seasons, I think, uh, which uh, was a spinoff of X-Files. Millennium was an X-Files thing too. I forgot about that yeah, one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, was, was, was there one more? Uh, was there one more? Uh, was Vince Gilligan involved in Millennium? He was involved with either Lone Gunman or Millennium, I think, but I don't know which. I want to say that he hadn't moved on yet. Like he was still working I with Chris Carter. I think by then he had moved on. That was oh, a Chris okay. Carter jam. That was a Chris yeah. Carter. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, he's okay. our, if I ever wanted to, oh man, Chris Carter. I, I, I'd talk to him for as long as he'd let me. I mean, I mad respect. I still love the X-Files tremendously. Tremendously. Um, I'll never. Just, I'll never just perfect it's just one of the most you know, perfect shows ever made you could put me in the cryopod that they're going to put everyone in you know when we uh instead of dying in 50 years and they put us in the cryopod you can put just x files on loop in front of me and i'll be okay with that so i've also said this that like in this like distant future where all of us millennials are like in the same rocking chairs at the old folks home mm-hmm. Like, we're just going to be, like, talking in Simpsons quotes at each other. But oh, I think, great. like, like if, if anything else sneaks in, in there, it'll be, like, the X-Files. Yes. Uh, I would find that X-Files is probably the most agreeably enjoyed show in our sphere. And that most people have not just uh, good feelings towards it, but have seen it extensively. Like, mm-hmm. um, and I would say in my circles, probably even more than Simpsons. Or at least I feel more comfortable oh. making that. I feel more comfortable making that. Um, those references, I guess, because maybe I haven't seen nearly as much Simpsons, and I've definitely seen the X Files multiple times. So fascinating. Although it seems every time someone brings up something, I forget the episode <laughs> that you're going to bring up. So, <laughs> were the Copperfages got that one? I got that one out. I like the Brian Cranston one where he where that? he's like the bus that can't slow down. <laughs> I love that. I Brian? wait like a speed episode. Is that really what it yeah. is? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. He like he like he like has like some kind of weird thing going on where he can't like he has to keep a certain velocity speed 
going. And so, like, he steals a car and he's trying to go really fast. Why? You don't remember this one? No, I swear okay, I don't. Hold on. on. X-Files, Brian, Krantz. And it is called... Drive. Drive. Season 6, Episode 2. Okay. Okay, so you know what we're going to do right now is you are going to go... Yes. Watch that episode. Okay. And you're going to close us out by playing the X-Files theme. And we get to be like... Episode do, 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 Just like that. This is my homework. I did a lot of singing at our we, audience today. For that, I apologize. Well, we were on TV this week, so honestly, we get to do whatever we want. The whole show is... Um, we did we did all the work on uh, Friday. <laughs> I'm going to quit my job and go full-time pundit. This is us I'm spiking gonna, the football. I want to become Moraka. I want listen no, up. No, you don't want to become Moraka. Let me tell you a quick story about Moraka. Um, he's canceled in my estimation. In 2014, no, 2015, maybe. I'm going to say 2015. Okay. He looks like Virgil, Texas. Yeah, he looks exactly like him. Uh, who is mega canceled, in my opinion. Um, uh, so I think I think this. Mo Rocca's uh, account, for he had like a comedy interview show in the 2016, 2017, you can Wikipedia that. His account, his official Instagram account, liked specifically a bunch of photos of my girlfriend at the time, uh, like very weirdly and just like the pictures were you know instagram photos like that like it was the most bizarre thing the official account and so my my in my estimation that has always been actual moraka just going through i don't know how the fuck he found even this account or those photos or whatever but i always found that to be the weirdest thing it was like i have a screenshot of it somewhere on my twitter in the past or somewhere lives this screenshot of this moraka account like liking all these like you know photos it's it's wild let me give you a little New Mexico news real quick. I'm um, just saying, like, you know, I'd be like, wait, wait, don't block me. <laughs> hey, Mo, I, I actually uh, tweeted out at the time. I took screenshots and tweeted, so I don't know. Maybe someone else remembers that. Uh, I'm going to give you a little bit more before I take up uh, all of your day. Um Shiprock, New Mexico, Samuel Sandoval, one of the last remaining Navajo code talkers who transmitted messages in World War II using a code based on their native language, has died. Sandoval died late Friday at a hospital in Shiprock. His wife, Malula, told the Associated Press on Saturday he was 98. I just thought that was worth remembering uh, one of America's greatest uh, creations, the Wind Talkers. Thank you. Yes. Thank you so much. Um, here's something okay, that's... Okay, and now, can we, can we play the X-Files theme now? <laughs> Let me tell you something that'll go into the X-Files right here. This is an X-File. Sierra County, New Mexico, this, I promise, this is it. Sierra County, New Mexico. Virgin Galactic Long announced Tuesday that it's planning to build an astronaut campus and training facility outside Truth or Consequences near the location of Spaceport America. So there you go. Correct. Go sign up, um, and you too can be uh, like that guy in space who saw ghosts. Richard Branson, like being the like New Mexico weird guy, like I'm kind of glad because like this means that we don't have to put up with Elon Musk as much. Yeah, he's taking that. I mean, I'm still not happy about this. Yeah, um, it is funny that they've all staked out like a certain state to like influence their politics and stuff. Basically, all for the space thing. Um. Kathy, that's a tremendous point. And uh, 
I know the first thing that I'll be doing as soon as I have a chance is watching a season six, episode two of the X-Files. That is everyone's homework. And, uh, and I thank you for watching. I thank you to our mystery listener for somehow um, keeping us going on that. Oh, by the way, our mystery listener did actually uh, send me an extra message that I forgot to share Oh, nice. Um, through Skype, and he said that, uh, since you're listening this far in the podcast, and I know that only so many people make this far, this is where I can say it. If you would like to participate in a future TMZ um, appearance, please message TMZ space, space Skype on, uh, I think, let, let me look it up very specifically, because they told me this specifically. Virgin Galactic has partnered with Under Armour to create their space suits. Really? Um, here is... Okay, yes. The username is TMZ Space Skype. And they uh, recommend that uh, if you are a like-minded individual, that you go ahead and contact them so that they can increase the quality of... I'm saying this myself. So they can increase the quality of their commentators on their show. They would like that. And they would also like uh, people like us, the person who contacted me, which means they would like people like you. So if you would like to be on TMZ sometime, perhaps accidentally, at the same day we are, or on a topic that we aren't even looking at, um, they want you. So go ahead and reach out to them if you'd like to be on TV, I guess. I don't know. We're going to do it every once in a while as much as we can, as much as seems feasible. Because I think it's fun and because I think it's a weird way to promote the show. I mean, they did clip off, I will add, they did clip off the name of our show on there, which is absolutely acceptable. And so I kind of pre- I kind of predicted that. Uh, that's why I kind of, I put it in there to kind of figure out their, their process. They clipped it out perfectly, too. With the, it's like I never even missed a beat. But um, yeah, that's us. That's us for this week. Um, and, uh, and thank you to that person, whoever they are. Don't reveal yourself, because it's more fun if you don't reveal yourself. And unless you're going to offer us a job. In which case, have at it. In which case, yeah, you, like the, the, then probably Skype is probably not the best way to get a hold of us. Yeah, I highly suggest also, um, whoever this mystery listener, you can contact me on Twitter with like your real account and tell me who you are. I swear to God, I'm not going to tell anyone. But I will tell Kathy, because she needs to know. <laughs> I won't tell anyone either. There you go. Okay, thank you, everyone. The X-Files theme is playing now. But, Kathy, as the X-Files theme is playing us out, is there any musical inference you could pull for the intro now? What, what, what has been happening out there? What is, what, is you, uh, what is you thinking about title song? <laughs> What's bringing us in? Uh, I think it should be God Save the Queen by the sex pistols. <laughs> Pistol. Yes, we will. We will write that down. I, I feel. I feel like it's. Uh, you know. I. I think it's a very uh, clear indictment of reality. Okay. And the X Files theme is playing right now. Perhaps it's even the X Files. Um, one of those great remixes that they have in a touch tunes. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening to our program, and uh, we will definitely speak to you next week, whether you want us to or not. Blessings. Bye, Kathy. Bye.